0: So starting in verse 26, if anyone thinks he is religious and does not bridle his tongue but deceives his heart, this person's religion is worthless. Religion that is pure and undefiled before God the Father is this, to visit orphans and widows in their affliction and to keep oneself unstained from the world. Let us pray. Dear gracious Heavenly Father, this morning, God, we come to you God, knowing God that you love us, God. You love all of us. God, that you have invited us into adoption with you, God. God, we are children of, of, of the Father, God. And God, I pray, God, this morning, God, that you would use my story, God, and, and our story of adoption, God, and what you've done in our lives, God, and how you overcame God, just circumstances that we couldn't we couldn't fulfill, God, on this earth. Only you could, God. God, I pray, God, you would help me present that story, God, and, and it would just impact someone here this morning, God, that's thinking about adoption, that's thinking about fostering, that's thinking about orphan care, God, and wondering how they can do it. God, speak through me this morning. In Jesus Christ's holy name I pray, amen. No, y'all got to stay standing up. Let's, so like Cody mentioned, I am Jason Chilton. Um, I grew up just down the, down the road in Natchez Creek, went to White Plains, so I'm from this area. Uh, I'm, I'm one of you. Uh, <laughs> so um, as I just read, James one twenty seven, pure and genuine religion in the sight of God the Father means caring for orphans and widows in their distress. What does that mean? I mean, that's, that's pretty powerful. Um, If you take it in context, if you go back into the book of James, the first chapter there, you'll see that he's talking about not being a spectator Christian, not being someone that just receives the word constantly, um, not being that person that just gets fed constantly. Um, You can see that I get fed pretty well. And I could. I could just keep eating and eating and eating. But if I never get any kind of exercise... You know, you see these TV shows where people, you know, become like 500, 600, 1,000 pounds. I've seen a TV show where somebody was almost 1,000 pounds. And they just take it and keep eating and eating with no work. And many times we do that in our own lives. We become that spectator Christian. We're just sitting here week after week. We come to church. And we receive that word, And we think we're living that that good Christian life. But as James told us, uh, we're fooling ourselves that that religion, what we think is religion, is worthless. Um, And so that really hit me in my Christian walk um, early on and wondering, you know, what does it mean to be doers of the word? And so part of that in my life has been through adoption uh, and answering that call. So why the focus on um, adoption? Okay, they are showing, sorry. Well, um, we are called all throughout Scripture to care for orphans. I mean, not just in James, not just in the New Testament, all the way back to Deuteronomy ten eighteen. It uh, talks about He ensures that orphans and widows receive justice. Uh, Isaiah one seventeen, defend the cause of the orphans. Hosea fourteen three, in God alone do the orphans find mercy. Psalm eighty two three, give justice to the poor and the orphan. John fourteen eighteen. No, I will not abandon you as orphans. I will come to you. And that scripture right there just, just speaks to me around what Christ has done for us. Um, and throughout our adoption process, I learned more, I think, about my want with Christ than almost anything else I've ever done. Um, because seeing what Christ did for me and adopting me when really and truly I didn't do anything I didn't you know just like my own adoption my kids didn't say hey Jason and Donna Chilton from Alabama will you come to Ukraine and adopt us they didn't they couldn't they didn't know how and many times in our own lives we don't know how we're stuck in our own own ways Ephesians one one five says God decided in advance to adopt us into his own family by bringing us to himself through Jesus Christ this is what he wanted to do and it gave him great pleasure um, so also there's the statistics side of adoption so it wouldn't be Orphan Sunday without me throwing in statistics um, there are currently more than 153 million orphans worldwide 153 million that's a huge number um, okay what about the US the US is more than 400,000 children in foster care right now as we're sitting in this room there's a third of those uh, that are currently eligible for adoption and every year 20,000 kids age out of the system in the U.S. and most of those with very little to no support system so think about that and think about all that's going on in the world today with human trafficking those children are now vulnerable to that they need support um These numbers are all staggering numbers. I mean, if you just sit here and focus on those and think about how many orphans are out there today, it's, it's hard to think about. Uh, I'll just be honest, it's hard to think about those numbers. Um, and I know when Donna and I were in the orphanages, uh, when we went to get Katie and Brody, uh, we spent about two weeks in the community and in the village Uh, in Ukraine where um, Katie and Brody's orphanage was and as we would go every day to the orphanage and see all of those kids you know my heart would just break because I'm not there to adopt those you know there were some sweet kids there that were running around and you would you know you would engage with them and you would just think gosh you know and just pray somebody comes and adopts those children too and it's just heartbreaking you start thinking about all these but What I want to encourage you not to do is get caught up in those numbers. Because it is easy. It's easy to think, gosh, how how could I impact 153 million orphans? It's such a huge number. Don't think about that. Think about the one child. So this is Mila. This is our newest daughter. Think about that one child that you will impact. I mean, little country boy from, not little, but country boy from Alabama... Nassus creek uh, who'd ever heard of nasus creek and especially in ukraine god used me to travel and impact an orphan in the world that just blows me away that god had even used me to do something like this so i've shared the importance of um orphan care from the word of god i've shared scripture um and I would venture, uh, you know, I shared the statistics as well. And I would venture to say that there's probably nobody in this room right now that's thinking, yeah, orphan care, I'm just not, not sure that's a good idea. I mean, we're all, you know, we're all looking around going, that's a good idea. You know, we need to, to care for orphans. But I would also venture to say that out of all the people in this room, the people at this church, maybe somebody's listening online today. I would almost bet that somebody's thought about adopting. Somebody's thought about caring for orphans and wondering how to do that. Um, maybe you're scared. Maybe you don't have the finances. Maybe, maybe you're single and you're just not sure that orphan care is right for you. Um, maybe you're thinking about it today. Maybe you've been thinking about orphan care recently and adoption, and maybe your spouse isn't on board. You know, that's tough. That's tough. Um, I'll kind of share some examples of that in a minute. Um, Whatever your case may be today, I'm going to say, hear me out, um, because I'm about to walk you through our story, and those situations I just mentioned, uh, some of those were applicable in our lives. So I'll take you back in time, so I'm going to share my story now. March 2008 married my internet bride. She's pretty. Um, So this is Donna. This is my wife. And really she is my internet bride. We met on eHarmony. So uh, we met in, I'm going to mess up the dates and I'll get in trouble. Um, I should have had this written down. So (laughs) I know we met I think in person in August of 2007 nod or something okay uh, I'm gonna get this right for the second service and by October of that year late October of that year I knew that like she was the girl I was wanting to marry and I I'd, I'd always been one of those people like hey I need to be engaged like five years to know and by March of 2008 we were we were married I was sealing the deal I was like God sent me this girl I was like I don't know how but I got her so um When we first got married, I was really indifferent to having children. Not that you can ask Donna; she'd tell you I didn't want children, but I just didn't care. Like either way, Uh, if it happened, it happened. If it didn't, okay. In 2009, we found out we were expecting our first child, so we were expecting Clark. Um, So fast forward to August 2010, we were welcomed, Clark. He's cute. He's with us this morning in the service, by the way. Uh, and Clark was an awesome baby. I mean, sweet, never cried, rarely ever cried. And he was just easy. I'm thinking, this parenting thing is pretty easy. All right. So um, not too much later, we were act- actually expecting again. Uh, only this, this ended in mis- miscarriage. Um, but God provided again, and Donna gave birth to Callie. Now, Callie was nothing like Clark. <laughs> she she will kill me for putting this up here. but she, Literally, she cried from the moment she was born and didn't stop for days. The nurse at the hospital actually said, and she actually said, I don't think I've ever heard a baby cry this much. <laughs> Not a thing to tell a, a mom in the hospital, so just if you're a nurse, don't do that. <laughs> but we love our Callie M line. She is awesome. Um, but if she's mad about something, she's going to let you know. Uh, and she did for a long time when she was a baby. Um, so you would think, okay, I don't know if we want kids again. This is about to seal the deal. Um, in 2012, you know, we were doing pretty good. We had a boy, we had a little girl. That's a perfect American family, right? I got my cabin in I built a log cabin back in family land. I mean, I'm like country boy, I'm living it up, right? I've got it made, I got my nice truck, you know, all these things, right? So I'm I'm very content with where we're at. Um so in late two thousand and twelve we found out we were expecting again. Um, but this would also end in miscarriage. So even though the miscarriage was heartbreaking, it was tough for us, um, what it had done was opened our minds and hearts to more kids. So we were actually thinking about it now. And Donna had mentioned adoption in the past as something that she thought we would like to do someday. She thought we would like to do. I didn't say I thought we'd like to do. Um, and But this time was different. I was open to it. You know, after the miscarriage, I saw how much it just broke Donna's heart, and I was like, "Hey, I think we could do. I think we could have another kid." So, in early 2013, Donna shared with me her heart for special needs adoption. Okay, you just took me out of my comfort zone completely, because you said special needs. I'm special needs. I mean, I'm special. I'm I'm hard to deal with. Um, very picky eater. I mean, you name it, Donna has a special needs husband, right? Because I'm tough to live with. And for me to take on a special needs child, I, I don't think I could do that. And I actually wrote her a letter. We used to write letters to each other, especially when we were early on in our marriage when our schedules, work schedules competed and stuff. We'd write letters to each other, and it was kind of sweet and all. But, but I wrote her a letter, and this letter contained, she still got the letter. It contained very valid reasons why... I could not adopt a special needs child. Very selfish reasons. Looking back, if I read that letter, and I'd like to beat myself up because of, it. but they were all like real reasons. I didn't make anything up. And Donna didn't argue with me. She didn't debate with me. And she didn't go away like mad, quiet type thing either. Um, she just okay. Like it, she had accepted it, what she did do though was she went to God in prayer, and there is power in prayer um, because God changed my heart. So by late 2013, God had changed my heart. I was open to it. I said, "Okay, yeah, I think I think we could do it. I think we could do." And she said nothing else to me about this, and God just started putting things in my life that it's nothing but God. I mean, it, there's. People blame things on coincidence. I'm going to tell you right now, there's no such thing. God puts something in your life. He calls you to do something. And time and time and time, you see things working out when you didn't think it could work out, and you still call that coincidence. You, re, you really need to rethink that. I had to rethink that. So <clears throat> fast forward a little more. Now we're December 11th, 2013. And we've talked about adoption at this point, and God kind of led us to Ukraine. And I mean, we looked at every, everything from um, domestic adoption, foster care just really didn't fit with the age of our children now, and several things just didn't, didn't line up for domestic. We looked at international, we looked at India, we looked at all these different countries, and um, God led us to Ukraine. So. On December eleventh, 2013, Donna sends me pictures of a little girl named Katya and her brother, Nazar. So there's little Katya. So that's the picture she sends me. And, I mean, I was wanting to adopt one. Now she sends me two. So <laughs> that's Brody, or Nazar, as he was known in the orphanage. I mean, they, they're little cute little things. I mean, look at Brody; he is cute. And it was weird when I saw these pictures. I had seen pictures of other orphans. When I saw these pictures, I said, "That's that's my kids." And I immediately texted her back and I said, "Let's do it." And of course, she back at the floor, but. We did it, and so now we're on this unfamiliar journey. We don't know what to do. We don't know what paperwork's required. We don't know where to turn, uh, and so we just started praying and figuring it out. And then the money thing hit. So, around thirty-five thousand dollars is what we thought we would need to complete the adoption. That's not this when you know you like you're buying a truck. You just go and give them thirty-five thousand. You. It's overtime. You do the home study. You do all these things that cost money, and it will, you know, nickel and dime you. And ultimately, it's thirty-five thousand dollars. I didn't have thirty-five thousand dollars. I don't know if y'all got thirty-five thousand dollars sitting around. I don't. Uh, I didn't then. I definitely didn't then. Um, we were in a situation where I would text Donna on a Friday and say, "Hey, um, I need gas in the truck. Can I stop and get?" 10 bucks worth of gas or something. And I mean, some weeks I had to get $5 worth of gas just to get home. I mean, we were living paycheck to paycheck. So we definitely didn't have the money to adopt. Um, we started looking for things to sell. Um, I sold my beloved foiler. I had a Yamaha Grizzly at the time. I love that thing. Sold it, so got some cash there. Uh, Donna made cheesecakes. So we had to get creative to try to figure out how we we're going to pay for this thing. So Donna would make these cheesecakes and sell them, and she'd make about fifteen dollars profit on each one. And I loved it when she messed one up. <laughs> Guess who got it? Um, but and then we had friends. We had friends at church that would rally around us and just like, how can we help you guys? Um, Andrew, I mean, he he helped us put on a benefit concert in Jacksonville one night, um, and just people would come up and just and ask us how we, you know, if we needed money or or how they could help us and over and over we just saw God move and it would be over and over you know, the home study needs this much it needs 2000 or this, you know we need 500 this date and we just didn't have it and it would stress you out because how are we going to finish this and then it would show up and I was talking to Bubba Johnstone um, the other day about their adoption too. So Bubba and Brittany or James, if you know him by James, um, they recently adopted from China. And he was talking to me about, you know, theirs is about 50,000 total. He was, he was the same way. He was like, how am I going to do this? And he was, he was really doubting it, it up front. Uh, he said, I think the next week, his, at work, he gets an $1,800 bonus. And he said, it's just this peace came over him. He said, you know, it was just like God telling him, hey, I've got this. Don't worry about it. And, you know, he shows up to church the next week and, and somebody's giving him a letter of encouragement and $1,000. And just over and over and over in this church, people just rally around you. I mean, they did it for us through both adoptions. I mean, y'all are awesome. And you're part of orphan care when you do that. So Katie and Brody's adoption, as the adoption moved forward, uh, time after time we just see God meeting that need. Uh, by the end of the adoption of Katie and Brody, we had all that we needed. I mean, we lacked for nothing the entire time. Now, remember where we came from. And I didn't even fill my truck up with gas, and here we are. We come up with $35,000. Praise God. I mean, there's no other way. Um, so, let's fast forward now. Now, we've had four kids for, for a few years, and we're in 2019. So, as 2019 began, I would say our lives were comfortable and content Um, I had a great career Um, we were finishing up an an addition to our house not knowing what I was actually building this addition for God has a sense of humor Um, but we were finishing up this addition Uh, I was building my dream garage Um, always wanted a garage where I put all my tools and you know just work on stuff and tear stuff up and um, and our our four kids were doing well uh, they were getting easier to, to parent, in, in many ways, uh, We were not looking to adopt again. <laughs> we were absolutely not looking to adopt again. And honestly, you know looking back and thinking through things, I'm not sure I was looking to answer any call from God at this point um, that would upset all I had going because I was comfortable. But in May of 2019, uh, Donna saw and shared a post on um, Facebook of someone advocating for a little girl in eastern Ukraine to be adopted. And I told her, I said, don't get any ideas, honey. Um, (laughs) I admit that. But then I looked at this little girl. And again, you get part of adoption community, you get to talking to all these other adoptive families, and there's people always advocating for children. So I had seen orphans throughout these you know, four or five years that we'd been home with Katie and Brody and thinking, hey, that's great. I'll advocate, I'll share them, but I'm, you know, I'm done. This is my family, I'm content. There was something about her. And as I finished tucking the kids in for bed that night, you know, God was just really putting on my heart. It's like, hey, that's your daughter. I'm like, no, God, I'm done. And he said, no, that's your daughter. So by the time I finished putting the kids to bed, I go back to Donna. I said, Donna, if you want to adopt her, we can do it. And, of course, she about hit the floor again, too. But God was speaking to her as well. So we began going into prayer, seeking God's guidance, if that's truly what he wanted us to do. And it was just evident uh, as we started looking into it that this is we were being called into adoption again. Um, in June 2019, so about a month later, Cody preached a message titled, How to Sing in Prison. And it was from Philippians 1, 3 through 11. The first point in that message was, God calls you to do the impossible so that he can show you his goodness and faithfulness. To do the impossible. I'll be honest with you. um, June last year, I didn't really think adopting this little girl was that impossible. I had a good job making a lot more money than I did the first time. I can do this, I can do this I can do this I can do this, not God and I was don't get me wrong, I was trusting God I knew what God had done for us last time but I had some boastfulness to me so another point Cody had made in that sermon was nothing produces joy like seeing hard days pay off And that's one thing that I knew as soon as we decided to answer a call, and this is any call, whether you're going on missions, whether you're adopting, sometimes things get hard. Um, And sometimes that's spiritual warfare. Sometimes it's just the way things are. But remember, coincidence again. Um, The first weekend after we had decided to adopt again, our dishwasher tears up. You may think, okay, it's a dishwasher. I'm washing my hand. We got six people in the house. This is a big deal. I may actually have to wash dishes now. So, <laughs> so, you know, the week before Cody preached that message that I just mentioned, I was in Phoenix on business, uh, and I called Donna one day before work, and she was upset. She was, she was telling me, she said, I don't know if we can do this financially. It's just, you know, I'm adding everything up now. It's like, no, don't, don't use a calculator. That's always bad. Yeah. Um, <laughs> And it is. When when it's God, God's going to take care of it. And I I told her that. And I said, you know, and I just told her what God had done for us the first time. Just reassured her. And the very next week, I got hit with some news, and it just shook me. And now it's God reassuring me. Not God, um, and God. Donna is reassuring me that, hey, it's going to be okay, it's going to work out. You know, God's got this. And you need those people in your life. You need those Christians in your life who are going to speak truth in your life, who are going to say, hey, God's going to do this. He's done it before. Um, Whether that be your spouse, whether that be your friends, uh, and if you're not plugged into a connection group, if you're not plugged in somewhere at church where you have that network of support, uh, I, I strongly encourage you to get plugged in at something. Um especially if you're thinking of answering a call like adoption. So as the adoption moved forward, God was indeed meeting our needs, uh, just like the last time. It was still tough. Um, There were still things, you know, like the dishwasher. And it was things like the dishwasher over and over and over and over again. It was just like every time we turned around, something was hitting us, something was attacking us. Um, Behavioral issues with our current kids where we just felt like we're not good enough to take on a fifth kid. Are you kidding me? We, we can barely keep the, the four we have now going. Um, and it was just Satan, I think, attacking us and just trying to discourage us over and over and over. But in early February of this year, we were finally able to travel to eastern Ukraine and meet our new daughter. Um, long trip, everything was going well. Um, and by the end of that trip, we were able to... Start setting up our next trip, which would be about a month later. Uh, we were actually scheduled to travel back to Ukraine March 16th. Um, but on March 11th, I was read a letter at work uh, by HR, and you, you know what's coming there, um, how my position with the company was being eliminated. I've been there 13 and a half years, and my last day of employment would be that Friday the 13th. What a day to lose your job! 13th, Friday the 13th. And my severance would begin on Monday the 16th. Remember now, we were supposed to travel back to Ukraine on the 16th. So now my job's gone. And I, it, was, it was like I had been hit by a brick. Um, and that, that day of the 11th, as I gathered my things, got in my car, and turned on the radio. And I'd been listening to Rick and Bubba. That morning, 104.7, WZZK, out of Birmingham. And there was a song playing on the radio. You make all things work together for my good. It's the song we just sang, Your Love Never Fails. And it was 104.7, the fish out of Atlanta, crystal clear. I never in my life picked up the fish out of Oxford, Alabama before. Maybe your car does, mine does not. Um, Like I said, I was listening to Rick and Bubba. And I'm just thinking, wow, God, okay, I'm, I'm watching, I'm waiting for this one because I don't know what you're doing, but, you know, I'm going to trust. And it was hard, you know, I got Cody, called Cody on the way home, I talked to him, and uh, just needed prayer. And then James 1, 2 tells us, when troubles of any kind come your way, consider it an opportunity for great joy. And I got to tell you, you know, that's, that's a tough verse. It's easy to read, but it's hard to, hard to really consider in your life when things like that happen. Here we are, answering God's call uh, in our life, trying to do what we think, you know, God has called us to do. I lose my job um, by the weekend, so by the 15th, our flights to Ukraine are canceled, borders are shut, states start locking down. Now I have no job, and we're definitely not going to Ukraine anytime soon to get our daughter uh, as April, uh, so I hit the job hunt pretty hard and heavy. I called every contact I had ever made in my career. Um, and by that next week, I had interviews already. Um, by the end of March, I had seven opportunities that were almost to offer. I mean, I was ready to get a job. I was like, yeah, I got this. I've been to, you know, got a good career. Um, then April hit. So April, all seven opportunities that were close to the offer they all went on hold, every one of them. I got a call, and they said, hey, we're, uh, we're making a decision to put all our offers on hold, all jobs on hold right now, so sorry. So, okay, God, I'm, I'm listening, you know, what are, what are you doing for us? Uh, at this point, you know, Donna and I felt helpless. There was nothing we could do. Nothing seemed in our control anymore. Um, but if you know, if you've read much of the Bible— you know that this is the part where God usually shows up and shows out. So He did in our lives. And one thing that encouraged me was uh, it's one of my favorite verses. It comes from Second Kings six fourteen through seventeen. So one night the king of Aram sent a great army with many chariots and horses to surround the city. When the servant of the man of God got up early that next morning and went outside, there were troops, horses and chariots everywhere. Oh sir, what will we do now? The young man cried to Elisha. Don't be afraid, Elisha told him, for there are more on our side than there are on theirs. Then Elisha prayed, O Lord, open his eyes and let him see. The Lord opened the young man's eyes, and when he looked up, he saw that the hillside around Elisha was filled with horses and chariots of fire. It's so easy to be that servant. It's so easy to look at our circumstances in our lives, especially when we're, we're... we're answering God's call and go, I just can't do this. I don't have the finances. This is, everything's working against me. But pray that when you're answering those calls, pray that God will open your eyes. You know, pray that he'll help you to defy the logic of this world because it doesn't make any sense with God. Um, God was working our battle. In late April, I received a call from my previous employer. So this is the employer that had just laid me off. Um, Different division, but that they had an urgent need. So, I started with them in May. Uh, I would need to move to Atlanta in early 2021, um, but I could work from home in the interim. So, this was perfect. This is, hey, it's a job, right, at this point. Um, and in June, we received word that Ukraine would be op- opening their borders um, and we would need to quarantine for 14 days. So, late June, Ukraine, we're good to go, got me a job. Um, and So we start the process of getting back to Ukraine. Now, my old job, the HR department there would have never let me work from Ukraine. I'm working from home, I call the HR department up where I'm currently working now and say, hey is it okay if I go to Ukraine? I told them the situation and worked there. Without hesitation, oh absolutely, we don't care where you work, it's Alabama or Ukraine. And I just start seeing God. I was like, hey, being laid off at this point was a good thing. Because now I, ha- I can go to Ukraine. I can sit there and work from halfway around the world. Donna's sister was now home from the mission field. So now we're going to be there for close to a month due to the, due to the quarantine. Donna's sister is home from the mission field unexpectedly early. And now she was able to be there with the kids for that length of time. I mean, it's all setting up. God's working in the background. We can't even, we couldn't see it. We're all worried. Um, but once again, he just shows up and shows out. And God removes so many barriers. I mean, so many. These are just pieces of what happened. But God removed all these barriers and including, so normally in Ukraine, you go to court and then after court, you have to wait 30 days before you can actually go get your, go get your child. Well, the, for the first time ever in this region, God removed that. That judge signed a waiver and said, nope, they don't have to wait 30 days. The day of court, we're taking our daughter out of the orphanage. And this is unheard of over there. I kind of missed that slide. I'm like missing the slides. So <laughs> I got to get better on that in that service. Um, so this was little Mila. This is who we ended up adopting. This was the picture that we had saw on Facebook that night that they were posted but now we're able to bring her home um now remember I mentioned that the job um that I had taken would require us to move to Atlanta I'm an old country boy from Nassist Creek I really don't want to live in Atlanta I like visiting Atlanta but don't want to live there um Well, two days after I got home from Ukraine, I got a call about a work-from-home opportunity that I had interviewed for all the way back in April. And God came through. We were able to stay home. Um, So whatever it is that God's calling you to do, don't make excuses. Um, John Blanton preached a few weeks ago, and he posed this question, what calling are you ignoring because you are comfortable? I mean, think about that today. It could be adoption. It could be orphan care. It could be call to the mission field. It could be going on, you know, just a domestic mission trip. Whatever it is that God's calling you to do, it's easy to make excuses. It's easy to say, I can't, I can't, I can't. But God can, and he did in our lives. There's no way. He took me out of the picture. He took my job. He took me out of the equation. There was nothing I could do at this point. Um, Is orphan care and adoption hard? Yeah, it is. It is really hard. I'm not going to sugarcoat anything for you. If you come and talk to me, I'm going to tell you how hard it is. But I'm also going to tell you how rewarding it is. I mean, look at my family. This is from a guy that could care less if he had kids when he first got married. And now I have five kids, and they're beautiful kids. I love my kids. I love hanging out with them. I love teaching Clark how to drive a tractor and taking Milo on rides on the tractor and whatever it is. I love my kids. And <clears throat> what can you do for orphan care? So maybe you're not being called to adopt. Maybe that's not, you know, like Cody mentioned, you're in a season life where that just doesn't make sense for you. There are so many opportunities. Uh, as I mentioned before, so many families in this church just came alongside us, um, helping us out, encouraging us, praying for us. Um, Like I said, don't discount prayer. Don't say, well, all I can do is pray for you. You Thank God, you can pray for me because prayer prayer is so powerful. Um, So like I mentioned before, um, be that advocate for orphans. I mean, that's how we found um, Katie and Brody. There's a sweet lady named Sandy Flannery from Pennsylvania. Uh, We actually had the opportunity to meet her um, back in uh, 2018 as we were traveling around the country. Sweet, sweet Catholic lady. Uh, She does a lot with orphans in Ukraine, and she had actually got baby pictures. She had met Katie when she was real young, and she advocated for her. And now she's home with us because she did that. So don't think one little act is too simple for an orphan to be impacted. With that, I will close this in prayer. Thank you for watching or listening to one of our sermons. We would love to have the opportunity to connect with you one-on-one. We are not a perfect church, but we are a joyful church, and we want to help you increase your joy in Christ. We would love for you to come and worship with us one day soon. You'll be able to find information about our worship services, about who we are, what we believe, what we do, what we're hoping to accomplish on our website at ironcity.org. We would invite you to go and to check out all the information there. We look forward to seeing you soon.